right, y'all, welcome back. And we are live from Full Service Radio at the Line Hotel in D.C. And if this is your first time here listening, you are now listening to the All the Fly Kids show with a cool, calm, and connected talk straight, no chaser every week. I'm your host, Geronimo Knows, urban culture and lifestyle enthusiast and reform blogger turned full-time interviewer. I got my co-host here, super engineer, Backpack Matt. What up, what up? Tell, tell everybody uh, a little bit more about what you do besides being a super engineer. And well, he's, he's actually an engineer in real life, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I started as, a, as an engineer on the show. Right? Uh-huh. And then we were able to get a few more mics and let me help you out a little bit with the questions or whatnot. So I just help you out with the planning and getting the questions right and just making sure that we just produce the best product together. So I consider us a pretty dope team. But I feel like you should follow us. And to hear more episodes, check us out on SoundCloud, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play as well as Stitcher. So we're on all available platforms. So there's no excuse why you shouldn't be getting these good interviews. Absolutely. And this week's episode is episode 55. We 55 in. 55 in. And make sure, because we're 55 in, you need to rate, comment, and subscribe. You know, we put in a good solid year of great interviews with very important people that you need to know or that you will be, you know, shameful that you didn't know earlier, you know, in the future. So Definitely rate, comment, subscribe, show some love so that we can get the word out further. And that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher, all yep. four. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week's guest, I'm calling this episode the Dream is More Than Process episode. If y'all can guess where I got that line from, um, I'll give you a cookie. <laughs> but uh, this week's guest, um, everyone we had on the show past years faced some uncomfortable cir- circumstances in their journey. And today's guest is no different. It's been a little over a year since he's quit his job. To, Congratulations. Uh, to uh, go full time, spending the majority of his days passionately making social media a better place for so many who use it. And um, he's got more than 63,000 people who know him as a social media influencer, expert, and curator, correct? Something like that, yeah. Okay, okay. And so he's helping entrepreneurs and brands learn to love social media and leveraging his experiences to make space for black millennials to unapolog- unapologetically do them. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Much respect. He also finds time to run a run a music blog and do a big party every few months. Every once in a while, I just <laughs> had two acts this past weekend, so my voice is kind of almost on DMX, but okay. not quite. And you drink a cold, but you need to drink some tea, man. And, you I know, should. You, you got the you got the you know treat the, the vocal cords. Yeah. You're right. I was at we work and they just have the the free cold brew. So I was like, you know what? Okay, yeah. I need okay. the caffeine also. So I'll Fair find enough. that balance one day. Executive okay. decision. Yes. All right. Well, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Mr. Mikhail C. Clark. That is me. And you said my name right the first time. So I feel like a very important person already. I mean, we do our research. Man. Right. And you wouldn't be, <laughs> on, definitely the, you would be on the show if you weren't important. I'll take it, man. Thank you. So how are you feeling today, man? I'm feeling good, man. I um, definitely slept for about nine hours last night, oh, but made it through. I had two events back-to-back this past weekend, but feeling good. Okay. Ready for Monday, you know? Okay. I know you did uh, Views from the Grits. Yeah, we had our, our Merry Gritsmas Christmas party. You know, we had some snacks, lots mm. of turn up, okay. good time on Saturday. Okay. Okay. What was the other event that you had? Uh, my friend, the kitchenista, Angela Davis, private chef. So oh, her, shit. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So we had her, um, <laughs> She's legit. her yeah. holiday mixer and dinner party last night, and I was hosting that, so... Hence my voice being gone, me screaming at people, okay. you know, inside of Gateway DC. But Word. it was a great time. At least you got to eat some good food. I know that food was, was hitting. The itis was <laughs> incredible. That's the nine the hours, day. right? It was yeah. like luxury itis, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just different. Okay. All different right. type of breathing pattern when you knocked out like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you be snoring with authority. <laughs> nah, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, Mikhail, tell everybody, um, just give people a little background about yourself, where you're from, uh, and how you ended up 
here in the, in the hot seat today. Man, the hot <laughs> seat. No pressure. Um, I am from Woodbridge, like mm-hmm. an hour south. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to three different schools. Went to West Point, West Point. Went to UVA. And finally finished at VCU. Okay. And okay. I've been... Go Rams. Yeah, I mean, I was there for like a year, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm lazy, <laughs> go right? Go Cavs, go you West know, Point, too. Go, 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 go something. Yeah, yeah. Go, go something. Um, but you're, you're definitely repping VA. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And I've been, you know, based in VA, but close to D.C. for about three years now. Okay. I was working corporate for the Princeton Review okay. um, in sales and brand ambassadorship for almost two years. And then I kind of got out, started doing my own thing. So, you know, now I'm kind of... A number of different things, but, you know, based around social media, my writing, my communication, that's kind of where I focus my efforts mm-hmm. for now. Okay. Well, I want to just jump right into it. You know, I'm a huge fan of influencer marketing. Um, a lot of people know me. I've even talked about it on the show. They know that that's something I, I, I take great interest in, attend a lot of influencer events um, in different cities and just study it, you know. But for sure, you being, you know, an influencer and also experiencing a lot of these events you know for a fact that there's a lot of people who view influencer as a dirty word now oh yeah you know what i mean mean? i i get it too because there's so many people who have this name who are either one unconcerned with the culture they're representing Mm. or two they just kind of bought their followership and they're kind of faking the numbers and faking the funk Mm so i definitely get the stigma and you know the the negative perception of the word and how do you block the haters though um I mean, they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, every successful thing that happens to you, there'll be somebody who, like, they didn't deserve that, you know, they didn't work for that or whatever else, but they don't know my story. They don't know who I am or what I stand for. So I just stick to what I do. Um, I hone my craft. I'm a very um, focused person in regards to how I put things out. So yeah. I focus on me, um, providing value, and doing the best that I can for people who actually connect to what I talk about. So, word speaking on that, speaking on a, a influencer as a dirty word. Now, I, I heard another podcast that you had been recently interviewed on, and you had mentioned how, how like maybe six or seven years ago, like everybody wanted to be rappers, right? Yeah. And then you kind of saw this migration from you know people wanting to just be rappers to being influencers, tastemakers, curators, right? And right. So now, like you're getting some pushback, like G said, like people think that's a dirty word because it's kind of been diluted. Absolutely. Do you feel like kind of how they went from rappers to influencers that there's going to be another like migration where they're going to change from trying to be influencers to something else? And if so, like, what do you think that would be? Man, I, I think there's always something else. If I knew that something else now, I'd already get on, on top it, of it. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, but I don't know. I think that what I've seen personally from myself as somebody who is based mostly in writing, you know, written word, you mm-hmm. know, tweets and you know, still pictures. My focus is on trying to get more into video content mm-hmm. and, you know, having my voice and, you know, my face be more visible to my audience. Cause, you know, you can read somebody's words, but until you hear my inflection, see my body language and hear my expression, like the way I say things, yeah. like we don't have a certain level of connection. So wanting to be as close to being able to talk to everybody in real life as possible. Right. Making it, looking at it as a whole ecosystem. You Absolutely. Know I mean? I, um, I've been doing, I've been, binge watching a, a bunch of Gary V videos. Yeah, yeah. And um something that I really love about what he does is that he views social media and the internet as a whole ecosystem. Yeah. And some with the narrow side of you might say, Oh man, he's flooding the internet with just him, just tired of but no, he's touching every part of it so you can't miss anything he has to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's working. Yeah. It's working. Yeah, and the thing about him, too, I was looking at it like a few months back. He 
he'll have these videos where it's like, you got to do this and you got to get up and blah. And it'll be like a minute long. You're right. like, there was nothing of actual value. There's no takeaways. Besides, you know, motivation right. um, in that video. But he'll have some articles that are way more in depth, you know, some hour long podcast talks yep. when he'll only have five cups of coffee and talk a bit more <laughs> slowly and, you know, put out some more, um, you know, strategy intensive type content so he's very good at being able to figure out the best way to get people's attention on certain platforms right. and then give them like deeper things you know in articles and yeah. in longer podcasts and talks and everything else yeah i really appreciate his when he's being interviewed like when charlamagne brings him on the brilliant idiots or brings him on to the breakfast club mm-hmm. because it's a more focused conversation right it's kind of salient to like the culture that we kind of grew up in and that we're in right now so you know right but yeah he definitely has some gems for sure you know you know he knows what the fuck he's talking about absolutely yeah. absolutely so um, just in being an influencer and um, the travel part of it, mm-hmm. you know, I know you've done a lot of travel and just, it's been it's been a year and it just <laughs> seems like you've just done so much over over what what has been like several years almost no three years, three years in total that you've really been uh, at this, but a whole year that you've been doing it full time, correct? It's been about a year and a half almost that I've been doing it full time and I really didn't start to think of myself as an influencer. Um, probably until around when I quit or maybe like a year before because okay. I, I hated Instagram really up until probably 2015 and I felt kind of strange on that but you know I kind of embraced it more and I'm still not I don't call myself an influencer okay but it's a job title it's okay. people to understand you know what I do how I can provide value and right. how I can get paid right. which is the bottom line okay define influencer influencer to me is someone who can have a connection with an audience that is strong enough to make them care about a product, a service, an event, you know, something. Like, what story can I tell that will make you care about whatever I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw in an article, I think it was a rolling out article that yes, they, they interviewed you. And you kind of broke it down for people. You said, you know, because of your, you tend to be a little bit more introverted and like, you know, written is your, your preferred mode of communication. So like Twitter mm-hmm. is your go to. But then, like, you know, you got to assess these different platforms to the value that they bring and also, like, the medium that they use. Absolutely. So, like, Instagram is for, you know, something that's a little bit more obviously visual. And mm-hmm. then LinkedIn is probably best suited for professional, you know, aspects mm-hmm. and networking, so on and so forth. So, you know, do you have any more thoughts since that first interview in terms of, like, how these things all congeal and video and so on and so forth? Um, nah, I mean, you kind of covered a lot of the high points. I think the biggest thing is just, like, death to all comfort zones because, yes. you know, I was scared to get on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I've paid my rent through Instagram for a few months, like Word. at different times. So it, it, it paid off and I mm-hmm. feel comfortable now. I know great photographers who helped me out. Yeah. Um, I was scared to talk on podcasts, to yeah. talk off the cuff about certain topics, but I've been working on that, you know, figuring out how to do well in terms of video content. So, you know, it's, it's cool to be comfortable, but it's better to figure out what's better for your bottom line. So right. that's kind of my go-to, you know, I'm getting more into LinkedIn mm-hmm. so I can connect with people who aren't like us right. who aren't my peers like right. people who are in corporate america and it feels less natural than twitter right. or instagram but i'm able to meet people who are in places that give them space to be able to offer me things that my peers can't offer right me. it's setting so, up a mutual benefit situation like exactly. i had to uh, find people on linkedin as a function of my job when i was in consulting i was doing business development so we always had to reach out to random people on linkedin who, who facilitated a certain skill set yep. but also have the balls really to step out there and send them a message on faith that 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 email or that message would have some value in it that you know would entice them to respond it Absolutely. sucks that a lot of people just don't go through those steps they know the steps mm-hmm. but they're just afraid to kind of you know 
fear of rejection almost, you know? Yeah, yeah rejection. We all just kind of get caught up in our habits and yeah. we kind of stop thinking about the why and get used to just doing these things. Yeah. So being able to kind of find that balance is pretty important. Mm-hmm. And just even in, in the growth and you getting, stepping out of that comfort zone that you were in, something um, I told you when we first made contact that I really, really appreciate is um, your newsletter and that you send out every week and just how honest and open you are with just your experiences and you talk about the highs and the lows and that's something that I see very few people doing you know what I mean um what what about what did you see why did you see the need to even go that far to to offer that type of vulnerability because like I said a lot of people don't so writing is pretty therapeutic for me as somebody who has been expelled from school who has almost been fired from their job who has been worried about you know being able to pay rent Mm -hmm. as a 27 28 year old man you know Mm -hmm. kind of takes a toll on you in certain ways that's real so writing has been therapeutic for me and i think that my biggest thing is as somebody who is a social media coach who tells their story who talks about things they've learned i can't be like oh it was difficult, but I made it without telling you how difficult it was and telling you the emotions that I felt and that, like, I really almost just quit everything. Like, I can't really teach anybody anything from trying to hide, like, my actual weak points and struggles and failures. There's no value in just saying, like, oh, I made it through some things without expressing what those things were. Right. Because we can all connect to them, and I think people are afraid to put them out there somewhat rightfully so because of the perception that comes with it yeah but like when you start to put things more out there you kind of become a hub for people who are afraid to talk about what they've been through Mm -hmm. who are working through those moments still like being able to express your vulnerability will help others and you won't even know what they're going through because most of us don't want to talk about it but it can definitely open some doors and make some new connections and cut through static okay well i'm a a huge proponent of just paying attention to just overall health and well-being and so in uh, one of your recent uh, newsletters, you talked about your um, the struggle that mm-hmm. you went through, like a, a dark period where you had to move back home with your parents and your dad was even talking about, you know, son, I think it's time you start looking for a job and get back into the workforce. Yep. Um, what, how did you just maintain or what was your mental health like at that time and just overall health in general? And how did you maintain, I guess, good enough health to just keep going and just push through that? Uh, it was pretty trash for a while, man. I won't even lie to you. It, it wasn't good for the majority of my time when I was struggling with figuring out my financial st- uh, standing. You know, I went from kind of reacting to being fired and taking this stand and falling flat on my face. I had no coaching clients my first month in business. So mm-hmm. I had a little bit saved up, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And when you combine a new experience entirely with lack of results yeah it can be very stressful you know i wasn't sleeping too well i lost a number of friends Mm -hmm. i would kind of like spaz on friends over like small stuff because like when you broke you mad about everything shit is heightened you know everything get that last fork out of that sink (laughs) what's wrong with you who raised you just like everything was like a big like a big issue you you just hungry and broke you know so i was going through that um i just had to keep taking steps back in different ways so i went to my parents house you know some weeks um i was crashing with them because i didn't have no food money Mm -hmm. so you know i would stay with them and i would hunt for jobs and try to figure out my business plan um, during the day mm-hmm. and, you know, still find a way to pay my rent. I had to borrow money some months 
and all these different things. But I think that I was able to realize where I was, how far I had fallen, mentally speaking, and take like two big steps back. Um, So at that point, I was applying for jobs. I was able to kind of revamp my sales page and figure out new ways to make money, um, you know, with my coaching process and everything else. So that's when I was able to kind of turn things around a bit. And as the results started to come, you know, the mentality changed a bit for the better. And I was able to find a way to sustain myself and keep going. But it, it was a very, um, very dark time. Okay. That, that, just that, that pressure that you, that you had on your back forced you to just, you know, figure it out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And a lot of times people say, man, you just got to figure it out. And, you know, when you're going through it, that means nothing. You're reaching out to people, venting to people, looking for a solution yeah. um, that they can't even provide you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's amazing just what the mind can do, what, can, what it can bring to you, what it can, uh, what it can provide in terms of just a way out. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. I mean? All right. We're going to go on a quick break and uh, we'll revisit this shortly. All right, y'all, and we are back. All the Fly Kids Show, Full Service Radio. And um, we're going to jump into a, a, a very heavy topic right now that's just, you know, got a lot of people on edge since we're talking about social media and internet, you know, net neutrality. Mm-hmm. It's provocative. Um, yeah. um, a lot of people, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a controversial topic. There's a lot of what, what is and what it really isn't floating around. But I um, want to get your thoughts on just net neutrality and just even how you could see it for what you know about it and what it could do, that um, net neutrality being revoked, um, how that could have an impact on your business um, with working in the world of social media. I mean, first of all, America's trash. Just kidding, kind of. But I just think it's it's wild that this could even be a thought in 2017. Um, I, would, me, I, w- I would say America's trash is just some of the, the, the structures within yeah, are I'm, trash. Don't, I'm, don't I'm, do that. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being facetious. You can take that out if you want to. Um, I was, I nah, was joking. We're we leaving that in. We're leaving I, that I, in. I love America. Um, but I think that for me as a content creator, you know, when I'm getting a good chunk of my, my life revenue from social media and websites and things like that, you start thinking about everything you're building on land that you don't own. You think about all these mm. things you have, like, like DC. these are private companies, right? Um, so you have to start thinking, you know, what's the, the, the possibility that these things will happen? Um, so in all honesty, I really don't know how it will affect what I do. Mm. There's no real way to predict the trickle down effect of whatever might actually go through. Right. But I think that for me, one of the most important things is building my email list because email, you know, will most likely be around. People will have email. They've had it for longer than social media was ever a thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, building that connection that you control Mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, on platforms that run the risk of stopping or not being as, as available in the future. And for people who are still trying to wrap their heads around what exactly net neutrality is, mm-hmm. from a high level, uh, what the FCC decided to do in revoking some of the net neutrality rules allows internet service providers like Verizon, AT&T, etc. to show favoritism if they so choose uh, to you know different companies or different websites so that you know it will be easier and faster to connect to their website as opposed to a competitor. Right. So you can see like that might sound kind of basic from a high level, but the different loopholes and things you could do with that, that type of ability can be extremely dangerous. And so on Twitter, like I see jokes flying around that you're going to have to start paying 
you know, five ninety nine a month for Twitter and six ninety nine a month for Instagram. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I, I will say this and just thinking about I haven't seen that happen here in, in D.C. with um, cable companies in this area. But I know when I lived in New York, um, there was always some stuff happening with like Time Warner and Cablevision up there. Um, certain channels would be blacked out. You right. turn to ABC and it would come across the screen that called this particular cable provider if you want to have ABC back on. So I think we'll see something similar to that where if you get your internet through Comcast, they're going to say, well, you'll see some sign, some um, some ads up saying, well, call Comcast if you want this channel back I mean, this or this website back or access to this back or whatever the case may be. I, I was thinking of relating it to that and also thinking about being as though net neutrality really didn't exist until Obama 2015 put, put it into place rule, yeah is is it is the the the, the, the backlash against the, the 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 revoking of net neutrality um happening more so because of shock and awe shock well shock and awe or because Donald Trump is in office and all that all the extreme measures that have taken place with pulling back from this you know you look at like banned words in the CDC and craziness like that mm-hmm. you know I just wonder I mean, we were operate, we were functioning prior to net neutrality just fine, you know. So, what is really the the major concern at the, at the core? Well, I mean, I think I think maybe Obama had put in these net neutrality rules in 2015 because he saw something coming. Mm-hmm. And another example of what recently happened was the merger of you know uh, AT and T and Time Warner. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, Disney acquiring aspects from Fox. You yes. Know, yes. You'll see these telecommunication companies that provide internet right mm-hmm. now are dipping into the game of having their own like entertainment properties too. So you can get into a game where you're going to have to pay both Verizon for a certain set of movies and, and songs and this, that, and you know, applications and also having to pay AT and T. Right. So now your bill has mm-hmm. doubled because you need to have access to the same things that you might have been able to get before on mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got families who aren't who don't have a budget to be able to be paying $50, $60 a month for a bundle of services. So yeah. that really can affect f- poor people or people who are in the working class. So Absolutely. Or well, I wonder how this is actually going to affect streaming services like Hulu and Netflix because right. I almost wonder if there's some kind of lobby in there and this this is all generalizations, um, Which, mild conspiracy theory. But, I know, um, I know, I know I, we'll wrap it up too. But also, like Hulu is owned partly by Disney and a bunch of other exactly. companies, so it so causes it, issues it, with it, that. But yeah. You know, how is it going to affect us? Is so many people are jumping off cable, mm-hmm. subscribing to these services, or even going as far as getting an Amazon, a jailbroken Amazon Fire Stick? Right. All yeah. these different things, you know. So is this also some kind of response to that? Mm-hmm. Because the cable companies are definitely feeling it. Right. It's also kind of interesting that a lot of activists for the oppressed organize via the internet mm-hmm, um, right. and you have big companies being able to control um, things like this so I'm, I'm curious as to how this will actually affect you know right. that part of the game also right yeah okay well but one thing okay. you did say about you know email is something that's you know pretty mature to the point where that's not really going to be a game that's changed or affected by this so much. Yeah. And you run by the mantra of make email great again. You really yeah. live and thrive off of these newsletters that you create and, you know, and distribute. So can you speak a little bit more on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started my newsletter probably about this time last year, actually. 
Um, as a way to be able to connect with people on a more intimate level, because you know you can only put so many things in a tweet mm-hmm. or Instagram post for somebody to keep scrolling. But an email is more of a one-on-one interaction almost. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be more personalized, and it just it, it allows me to expand upon what I give my audience. I can give exclusive content. You know, I can talk to them more directly, mm-hmm. and um, I can kind of get out more of my personality also mm-hmm. that I can put into you know a single tweet or post. So. Make email great again. I held myself to a standard of being able to put out one article, uh, one playlist, and one social media tip for per week. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to be consistent with my content. People know they can expect these three things every single Tuesday. Um, so right now I'm actually doing a year a year, a year long process with my playlist called Clark Strikes Twelve, mm-hmm. where I'll put out twelve songs. Every single week, um, it'll tell a story with the way the songs flow. Mm. And I'll never use the same artist twice for the entire year. So that's 600 plus different artists you'll get in that first year. You're putting year. them on to a lot of you know new new content, new people, new people to look for. Trying yeah, they to. They trust you, too, mm-hmm. because yeah, I you're mean, consistently doing it. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. and, you, and you also have your music blog, Artistic Manifesto. Yes. Absolutely. That was my first foray into anything digital. Um, I started it when I was a cadet. At West Point and mm-hmm. couldn't leave campus, you know, I couldn't go to New York and mm-hmm. go to shows. So I was blogging about it and writing about it and tweeting about it. Okay. You know? What was when you were a cadet at West Point, like what was it like community like in terms of other cadets? Like was it a, a demand or a need for like really new music? Like what was the what was that scene like? There wasn't much of a scene. Yeah. Um West Point is created to build leaders to lead troops into combat. Mm-hmm. It's not Straight up. made for anything involving creativity. Right. So I was getting to the point where I was figuring out who I was, mm-hmm. but I was already at West Point, and I just didn't feel much of a connection with people. So that was my outlet to find people like myself, you mm-hmm. know, online, and to explore more music, to enjoy myself in that way. An artistic manifesto mostly, uh, you know, highlights artists in the hip-hop and dance and electronic yeah, well, it's like for it the really? eclectic, selective hip-hop lovers. So, right. you know, you might love rap, but you love a little bit of R&B. You, you, you love some 90s genres. stuff. Yeah. yeah, some future sounds, whatever else. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the way the music the, the music industry works now, sites like that are important because you don't want – you don't necessarily want a site that's just one genre. I mean, they right. have those still, but for people, especially if you're – if you're, if you're a casual music listener like me, mm-hmm. I want to go someplace where there's just a round robin of different of different uh, artists from different genres doing different styles, even within those genres and subgenres and categories. So I appreciate having a, a, a site like that available. Well, I'm glad. It's good to hear. <laughs> plus, I mean, plus genres these days are starting to merge and blend so much. Yes. It's hard to really classify and put them in the pre-existing boxes that were you know created before so mm-hmm. yeah i mean you look at gold link who just kind of really popped off yep. with glizzy on crew yep. and like mm-hmm. half his stuff is you know sampling electronic mm-hmm. or you know yeah. dance records so the line has been blurred for right. forever or really. you have like a catronada right mm-hmm. can, yeah i mean really classified the, right? the whole selection the whole selection crew yeah. you know what i mean and i mean catronada is not part of selection technically but he it does a lot of work with them right right i mean you could put a lot of playlists that you make, if you're a playlist type of person, will have <laughs> music from both mm-hmm. both institutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Safe to say. Right, yeah. right. Okay. Um, well, I got a question for you. I, um, because culture is such a big part of what you do, 
um i like to ask people if they had to go on a 30-day culture fast which four things which one of these four things they could get rid of so a culture fast a culture fast <laughs> you don't think about you know people don't think about sacrifice they people think about just gaining so i want to see if, if you were to take one away which one thing could you do, be do without so i'm gonna ask you okay so would it be music would it be fashion would it be visual art or would it be being a foodie can i say no <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you can't. So you got to pick one. If I give up fashion, I just can't be fly. Like, right? I gotta wear like. It's not like you can't wear clothes. You just can't be fly. Yeah, like you, you want to be fly. Like, and that's why I say that's why I say being a foodie as opposed to giving up right. food because clearly you have to eat. Right. But yeah, being a foodie is a whole other thing. Yeah. Mm, this is tough. Like, <laughs> so if I give up fashion, like, what do I wear? Do I just wear like, the same thing every like Bill Gates? Like, I mean, whatever. That, no one, no one's looking to. You I won't be a person that people will look to for you know. What's the what's the what's the latest in whatever? A lower tier than what you already do. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll, I'll give up fashion. I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll blend in, fashion wise. Okay. I, I love I love a clean pair of Nikes, Adidas, you know, whatever else. The boots, of course, but I can, I can do without, you know, fashion in that regard for for thirty days. For thirty days. Okay. Music definitely not. Okay. Great food never. So, okay. You know. <laughs> All right. Back to the artistic manifesto. I got, you know, read a couple of the editorial pieces that you all put out and you highlighted artists like Smino out of St. Louis and Mm -hmm. Russ. And, you know, Russ is like this uh, controversial figure, depending on how you view him because Mm -hmm. of, you know, his his personality, but also like he's respected because of his independence. Right. Right. And so I know right now this new wave of artists, right, are really leaning more towards or saying that they're leaning more towards independence in the music industry like just generally as a fan of music what are your thoughts on that like matt's our resident uh music expert by the way if so i know. see <laughs> so i see um i think that so the questions about independent artists right and as opposed the to the big late the big labels that everybody in, in the past have been signed to and the giants and so on and so forth is that something that you really delve into or are you just um, straight up well i think that i think that we love to see an artist who seems to be independent kind of come up but Mm -hmm. what it seems what what seems to be happening right now is that artists like to appear independent and just find different ways to get to the money Um, whether they're not revealing who they're signed to or they're getting you know money in different ways like Mm -hmm. Chance the Rapper's been doing with Mm -hmm. his different deals and everything else Um, I think it's awesome to be able to have more control creatively Um, so I definitely love that at the same time I think people should just be honest you know if they are or are not independent like we get it, get your money, but like be true to whatever your situation actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm definitely a fan of keeping creative control and not to yeah. becoming, you know, the, the the person who claims to be, but it's nothing. Yeah. But I, I ask that not just because of you know your your interest in music, but also tying it back to social media. Mm-hmm. These this new deal is starting to pop up outside of a 360 deal, but this new deal where it's social media management, like artists like I think Lil Pump. And Ugly God yeah. are signing to social media management because that's direct to consumer. And yeah. this is more, this is both kind of planning your your areas of interest. So yeah, absolutely, like is social media management seem to be like a a, a, a f- not even a future wave like the now. Like absolutely, it's it's definitely the now. Um, it allows you to really build your own audience, be able to have the leverage to say like I already got my fan base. You right. can see it right here. Right, you can see it in the numbers. Um, so I definitely advocate for anybody who wants to get anything out, whether it's music or their, their products, their business, their books, whatever you can connect with so many people on social media just by being able to have your own audience, your own community. Mm-hmm. Well, I, something I want to know one regards to the real world results when it comes to just, um, 
being a social media influencer? What's a way that a lot of brands are able to measure the results just in, the, in working with different people? You know, is it through, um, you know, demographics and, you know, their customer who's, t- who's tapping into um, their business, the bump in sales, the bump in patronization, um, promo code usage? I don't know. You know, it's just something that I know myself and a lot of other people wanted to know. I mean, I think there's a good number of, you know, things like, you know, click throughs and, Mm -hmm. you know, promo code usages and stuff like that. But I think the bottom line should just be how it affects, excuse me, how it helps with your business's bottom lines, whether Mm -hmm. you want more clients, maybe you want more exposure. You know, if you're some type of artist, you want to sell more products, whatever your bottom line is, um, if you're able to see that social media um, is helping with your bottom line, if you see an increase in your bottom line while you're kind of growing your social media account, mm. I'd say it's success because you don't want to just have social media followers who just follow you for, for like, you know, funny videos and don't know that you have products or anything else. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably a pretty important thing. What's your coolest experience so far um, in any of the places that you've traveled to? I went to Toronto for about two and a half days. Yeah, like I saw two that. Two weeks back. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto's a dope city, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so Toronto. I stayed with Delta Hotels. It's a, a Marriott hotel chain. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful location. I was like... 30 floors up I was pretty high up in the air in like downtown Toronto Mm -hmm. and I got to explore the city um, do all this tourist stuff I got out the airport and there was a limo there and the license plate was Celebrity 7 and I'm like who do I think I am right now (laughs) you know it was it was incredible but got to explore the city for like you know two three days went to um, the top of the CN Tower where Drake's album cover was yes I know the CN Tower yeah so they had the um, the glass around the tower Mm -hmm. and it would spin around and I was having like some seared lamb shank talking yeah. to travel riders, talking to hotel people. And I'm just like, yo, is this is this real life? Right. Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm getting paid for this right now. So that probably was my coolest moment. But it came after, you know, a year and a half of like me wanting some type of social media deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely an incredible moment. I did not want to leave. Um, yeah, I had like this warm, this warm like cinnamon wine at the Christmas festival, which felt like a Charlie Brown scene, but like better, like it felt that, that cool. Um, so yeah, I had a blast exploring Toronto, mm-hmm. staying in the hotel and um, just enjoying the experience. Yeah. Word, 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 word. Well, that about wraps it up. Well, we got a few, we actually have a, a few more minutes. I oh. had a couple more questions. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, we missed our uh, last <laughs> spot. So, you know, we're just going to roll till, uh, okay. for another few minutes. Well, but well, then let me, let me throw this question cool. in real quick. Who influences the influencer? So who, who influences you? So many people. Um, name name two. Don't have to be your favorite. This could just be two that of the pe- of all the people that. Dang, this is like mad pressure. You got to pick the right two people. Um, man, I think, they know they know you love them, <laughs> whether you say their name or not, man. Yeah, I mean, I would even say, you know, I can pick like a Kendrick mm-hmm. and a Mark Echo. Um, okay. You know, Kendrick just That's for the way he 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 hones his skills so much, and you'll see him be able to like, you know direct a, a jazz band behind him you know while rapping and stuff like that mm. the way he comes across like visually mm. and like makes everything happen you know perfectly with his videos and everything else um is incredible so for me like wanting to present myself in the right way um with my content like to really focus on having a high level of quality is very important i saw him with the national symphonic orchestra probably two years back and I definitely almost cried like it was just so beautiful Mm. Um, and then Mark Echo um, he did a great job of telling his story Mm. with his book called Unlabel Mm -hmm. Me he talks about you know of course his clothing brand 
and then founding Complex mm-hmm. and how he was just wilding out trying to be like Diddy yeah. for like a few years. Yeah, he which bought wasn't, the Barry Bonds uh, baseball and yeah. branded it and stuff. Right? It's just not his flavor, you know. Yeah. So he was really honest about that. You know, he was like, I was trying to do too much. I was trying to make these things work, but what really actually worked for me mm-hmm. is this. Mm-hmm. So we were able to see somebody who has been very successful in his own lane talk about like, hey. I tried this, it didn't work. I finally got here. And he's been involved, of course, in fashion yes. and um, you know, content creation, of course, mm-hmm. with complex, the right. giant that the it giant is. That it is mm-hmm. So yeah, it was great to talk about those two things. So we got we got a few more minutes left and this your question was perfect segue to my question, which are, which was like, What are books that you recommend? Because I listened to an interview where you said you, you rock with Unlabel Me. That's also one of my favorite books and kinda mm-hmm. kicked off or further lit a fire in me to be an entrepreneur and being a creative. So for you, I know that book is not the only book that you, you know, digested. Like, what are some other books that you recommend that you've read? And then we'll wrap up on that now. Hmm. I honestly don't read enough right now. So I'm writing so much. Fair enough. Um, so I'll be totally honest in regards to that. Um, I actually just like to read the stories of my peers. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't read books, but I'll read what they write, what they talk about and stuff. And as long as you read, they go through. Yeah. Gotta, gotta <laughs> as keep long doing as you it. read, man. That's about it. Um, all the Fly Kids show once again. Um, Mikhail, thank you once again for coming on the show. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Thank you for having me, first and foremost. Uh, you can find me at M-I-C-H-E-L-L-C-C-L-A-R-K. So Mikhail C. Clark um, on all social media platforms and MikhailCClark.com. That's where I am. How often do people mispronounce your first name? Every single day. Mitchell, Michael, Mikael, <laughs> Mikkel. Mikael. Mikael. That doesn't even look like Mikael. <laughs> so the name actually the name actually came from my grandparents, mm-hmm. um, and they can't spell Michael in Georgia, so my dad's name was Michael, <laughs> but they just put M-I-C-H-E-L-L. So he turned 18, got his little car, and she's like, oh, my name is spelled like this? I guess I'm Mikael. And he gave me that name, too. So now I just sound like I'm French when I'm not. Hey, it works. You know? It works, it works. <laughs> oh, good. All right, man. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Much appreciated. The All the Fly Kids show is recorded at Full Service Radio inside the Lion Hotel in Washington, D.C. Produced and engineered by Jack Inslee. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Tell a friend and pay it forward.